Charles Francis, who won the endorsement of the Raleigh Democratic Party, is not campaigning on fixing potholes. He is talking about the big picture, about raising the ambitions of the city. As Raleigh becomes bigger, he wants its leaders to think bigger, and he wants them to think broader. He thinks more people should benefit from Raleigh's growth, particularly those in Southeast Raleigh, where largely African-American neighborhoods are being displaced by largely white gentrification. Said Charles, we need someone in the office who will bring all different stakeholders together, Francis said in an interview with the News & Observer editorial board. Charles Francis, welcome to the program. What do you have to say about what the the uh, News & Observer discussed right there? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here with your uh, listeners at uh, WKNC just uh, on the eve of Election Day. You know, I, uh, I would uh, underscore what I said. I, um, I'm running for mayor of Raleigh because I believe in so many ways our city can do better. Uh, we need to build platforms and run the city in a way that more people uh, can win, where the, build, the uh, growth in Raleigh is not just for buildings and for population, but it's for the people who are already here in their quality of life and in their income and in their wealth and in their situation. Raleigh is on all of these best lists, but a lot of people have been left off of those lists. And we've got to include more people in a shared prosperity as uh, we move forward in Raleigh. Okay, so your your message is that of inclusiveness and uh, equality. What I've heard from, or equity. Equi- what I've, equity. What I've heard from uh, some of the uh at-large city council candidates and the mayor uh, is these these three E's: equity, economy, environment. Are you on the same page with that too? Have you heard those talking points? Yeah, I mean, I've heard uh, I've heard the mayor talking a lot about those things, but I think the the difference between me and her is it's not just talking about them; is that we're actually going to do something about them. So let's take one of the big issues: affordable housing. I think you referred to that in the uh, lead-in piece that you ran for the uh, read from the News and Observer. We have a creeping crisis in access to housing in Raleigh. It's getting too expensive here for many working people and middle-class people to be able to rent a home or buy a home, and we got to do something about it, not just talk about it. So the city passed this one-cent tax, which, in my opinion, is too little, too late, and it's not addressing the problem correctly. The reason I say it's not addressing it correctly is because some of the people they're going to be paying that one cent tax are land rich but cash poor seniors who themselves may be burdened. And it's just not the right approach. So we need to be a lot bolder. We need to be a lot more innovative and we need to bring more people to the table to solve the problem. Well, that People might say, well, Charles Francis just wants to tax us so he can distribute the wealth to uh, lower income and middle class families. Now, people are resistant even for a one penny tax. I don't understand that, but uh, how how can how could we finance in a efficient manner uh, more access to affordable housing? Yeah. is it a public is it a public uh, private partnership or how 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 does how does this all work? Because yeah. it is I know personally it's a problem because I started paying uh, when I moved here I was paying six hundred fifty dollars a month for rent for an eight hundred square foot apartment. Right now, that apartment, I'm priced out of that apartment. It's it's $950. It's 35 40% increase in about five years. I'd consider myself 
lower to middle class at this point in my earnings. How can other people that don't even have those types of resources afford to live around here these days? Yeah, that's that's exactly the problem that you're summarizing, and I'm feeling you on that. Thank you. I um, When I graduated from law school, I took a job as a law clerk to a federal judge. That was in 1988. Uh, there were members of my class who were making almost $100,000 back then in New York, but my salary as a federal government employee was $27,100 a year. I had an apartment in a neighborhood sort of like Boylan Heights, an older neighborhood in Winston-Salem, that was $385 a month. And I remember distinctly that that is what I could afford making 27,000 a year. So the problem is what you just said. You got a lot of people in, in Raleigh who are making 25, 30, $35,000, but there's no $400 apartments. That's the issue. So just to be clear, I'm not in favor of a big increase in property taxes to deal with the problem because I think that adds to the affordability problem for lower income, moderate income homeowners, especially seniors. The way that we need to deal with the problem is two or threefold. First, we need to be aggressive in the public-private partnerships you referred to to do tax credit development. Most low and moderate income new apartments now are built by tax credit development. So it's kind of technical the way it works, but the basic idea is that the equity that goes into the units come from tax credits, and then the developer sells those tax credits to a corporation, and that's where the money comes in. In exchange, she has to keep the units affordable, usually for 30 years. That That's how we get a lot more units built quickly. The other thing we got to do is we got to work to preserve the affordable units that we still have, because naturally occurring affordable housing is the biggest source of affordable housing. So what about going on building on this idea? What about building up instead of building out? And what I mean by that is creating an even more dense downtown area by allowing uh, these uh, some developers to come in and, and put a 40 or 50 story uh, skyscraper up that has those tax credit units available in these buildings and then has retail and you know commercial, all that. I mean, I don't know how the zoning works, but do you see a more dense population developing in the future as a resource for uh, aiding this, the problem of affordable housing? Yeah, absolutely. I think we need more density in Raleigh in certain areas like downtown and like the North Hills area, right around Midtown North Hills and a couple of others um, to help with the affordability problem in some ways, but also to help with the traffic and congestion and the environmental issues that flow from too much sprawl. So for example, um, a gentleman from the Convention and Visitors Bureau came to my office the other day and he was talking about the lack of hotel rooms in downtown Raleigh. So the idea we were kicking around was, suppose the city sells a half acre to you know pick a hotel company, Lowe's, Holiday Inn, whatever, you know, to build a hotel here, but then right next to it, the city sells a parcel, maybe at a lower price, uh, to a tax credit developer so that the people who work in the hotel can live right next door. Those are choices that we make, and we, we need to make more choices like that because the people um, uh, who need uh, more moderately priced uh, uh, housing are important. So how do you differentiate yourself from your opponent's positions, specifically the mayor? A lot of the solutions that I'm going to bring to the table are solutions that will bring um, people from various perspectives together, uh, Republicans, Democrats, and independents. And I have uh, supporters from all those different camps. I have Republican supporters. I have strong Democratic support. 
you know, as you mentioned, I uh, am the only Democrat in this race. Uh, I've been unanimously endorsed by the Wake County Democratic Party, and I've been a Democrat all of my life. Proud uh, to have worked for a Democratic congressman when I was in college. Proud to have been a— Which congressman? As Ike Andrews. Okay. Ike Andrews. Proud to have been an early donor when I was a young lawyer to Harvey Gantt when he ran against Helms in 1990. And very proud that my wife and I were early financial supporters and, and active supporters of Barack Obama in 2007. So I've, I'm, I'm a lifelong Democrat, and I'm proud to be running with the endorsement of the party. Um, you, you know, I, I think that um, what differentiates me from the, the mayor is two or three things. Uh, one, one is I would not choose to build a new Taj Mahal city hall for $165 million or more. I was going to ask a question just specific to that. So keep keep going because that was the next one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, there are all these other priorities that we have in Raleigh. You know, we've got to increase access to housing and preserve and build affordable housing. We've got to improve bus service. We've got to uh, recruit more good job, more good jobs with better paid to Raleigh. We've got to improve mental health care because the closure of Dorothea Dix has exacerbated the mental health care crisis. Um, there's so many things that are we've got to Im- continue to improve first responders' pay, police and firemen. There's so many things that are more important than building a new city hall. So that's one thing. But this, the city hall that. is uh, the 165 million dollar complex. Is it's already it's already like a done deal, isn't it? Not at all. Not it's at not that they haven't contracted with developers and no. no. So so it so it, should you be should you be elected mayor you could put a stop to that yeah and we would we would postpone the consideration of that until we address these more pressing and basic concerns i um the, another thing that separates me from this mayor is my uh respect uh for our first responders and our policemen it never should have taken a year and a half to do a pay study before officers pay was increased it wasn't only unfair to the officers but it put us all at risk because it decreased morale and there were good officers who left. Also, I would not have decreased firefighters' benefits on the consent agenda, which is something that's supposed to not be controversial after they had failed to endorse her. I think the, the biggest thing, though, is my style of leadership is, is, is to include people and not exclude people. And, and this mayor, I think you'll find all over town, whether it's the CAC, the Citizens Advisory Councils, which she tried to exclude from the land use process, uh, policemen, people in Southeast Raleigh, her style is to exclude people rather than include people in the way we run the city. And back back to the <clears throat> the first responders for a second. Uh, well, do you know the the median salary for a, a rank and file police officer or firefighter? Well, approximately. Yeah. Well, so so it's been it has been increased. All right. There was an an increase, but it took too long to do it. That's my point. No, I I, I understand. Was it like thirty five thousand dollars? I don't have the statistics okay. in front of me now. We'll look but, that up. But what I what I would say is that there are still some officers who are very very dissatisfied who are laterals that came in, uh, who are sort of mid career, and I think with respect to those, we still need to look at what their pay levels are. Because look, I mean, these guys and ladies have the hardest job in the world. We're getting them to step into some very dangerous, very fraught, very emotional situations. And they're not going to be rich, but they ought to be fairly compensated. It, this this still relates to police and, and firefighters and first responders in general. Would you be able to, to allocate more funding to crisis intervention training? 
to deal with uh, mental health issues and uh, sort of prevent prevent jails from being used as psychiatric facilities? Yeah, that's a great question because that's exactly what has happened, you know, with the closure of Dick's and other uh, psychiatric facilities, our jails uh, and our streets, um, you know, have become de facto places where uh, uh, people who need mental health care are. So the answer to your question is yes. But the other, the other thing that the city needs to do is the mayor needs to act as a coordinator and convener of the stakeholders to bring people together and decide, you know, where can we where can we build a facility with more beds? And then let's proactively get the property zoned for that. I think that um, the revitalization of downtown uh, during the Meeker tenure was great, but it's lopsided. You know, there's too many restaurants and bars and not enough other human services. And one of the things we could look at downtown is is, is some type of mental health care services in a portion of downtown. And there, there's not enough residential uh areas downtown either not at all there's not enough residential units that that's exactly right and not and not enough affordable rental units particularly right exactly and that that goes back to this idea of of building up instead of building out um i mean of course preserve everything else but but more density i mean what do you 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 like this idea yeah i do i I, that's no that was a great point i didn't fully comment on it before when you brought it up i mean no i I do like the idea of more density downtown not just taller buildings in the downtown core but but also in certain neighborhoods i think we need to take a look at accessory dwelling units so that's that's something that's i'm not sure what that is could you could you give me a brief explanation yeah, what that a- absolutely so that's something that that they looked at in other cities that have a similar type of affordability problem where uh, they, they also call them granny flats or granny units where you know out behind the house there may be a six seven eight hundred foot uh square foot separate unit that can be separately rented to a family member or not to a family member and since that's a small unit on or on already existing lot it tends to be cheaper than having to go rent a, a whole new apartment somewhere okay um, I'd like to segue into into race relations and start by saying that there are still some Confederate type statues related to the to the Confederates. Uh, right. How do you suggest we deal as a city with with that? The statues need to come down, um, and. A lot of people feel the way that you express, uh, Matt. They don't feel comfortable with the statutes on campus. They don't feel comfortable with the statutes in the public square. And they, they need to be removed. You know, my good friend, Hamp Dellinger, has filed uh, or has uh, sent a, a, a very interesting demand and a potential lawsuit uh, to the um, administrators at UNC Chapel Hill uh, um, uh, alleging that Silent Sam violates the civil rights of the students on that campus. And I think um, that he's got a strong case. I hope it doesn't get to uh, Hamp having to file the lawsuit and that they'll just take the statute down. I think the real problem with those Confederate monuments is that they represent the ongoing disparities in society that flow from our country's history. And so the statutes need to come down, but even more so, you know, we need to aggressively deal with those ongoing disparities um, that come from our country's history of slavery and racism. That's that's a real problem. It's education, jobs, health, and that's what those statutes represent and remind so many people of. Okay, so so now 
let, let's get into some specific examples here in Raleigh. Uh, in Southeast Raleigh, uh, there is a lack of grocery stores. Right. And it's one of your issues. So so please uh, please discuss this for a little bit. Yeah, well, you're bringing up the very serious problem of food deserts in Southeast Raleigh. Food deserts. Right. So uh, you're exactly right. There's a paucity of grocery stores in Southeast Raleigh. I don't know the exact number in, in 276-1001, but there's not enough. And not enough healthy options for food. Um, there's some, some people who are doing some good work with that on a very local level. My man, Demetrius Howard, who has a fruit and vegetable cooperative where he's delivering fresh fruits and vegetables. To That's great. Home. And, you know, we need to expand and build on that. But I mean, one of the things I plan to do as mayor is spend a lot of my time, uh, selling this city to business, including uh, uh, shopping center and grocery store developers and showing them the purchasing power that exists in Southeast Raleigh. So include the private sector. It's a very big portion of your platform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Get I, them excited about certain under underdeveloped areas. That, that's where the biggest opportunity lies. I mean, if you look at, at why countries like Mexico and China boomed for a period of time, it's because people were buying the stuff to go from from poor to middle class. And that's where the biggest opportunity is for business and selling to people who don't have as much. And there is purchasing power in Southeast Raleigh. We just have to show that uh, to the business community. The other thing we can do is uh, the city needs to more proactively zone property for what we want to go there. So if we want a strip center there with a Kroger or a Aldi or a Whole Foods, then we need to go ahead and get it zoned that way so the entitlement process won't take so long for the developer or the, or the uh, grocery store owner before he can start selling things. That um, disparity in access to food and nutrition is just part of the larger picture of disparity. And as you get more opportunities for people, you get uh, a better education, better jobs with higher pay, better housing, then 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 people will improve in the opportunity to eat better and exercise more too because those things tend to go together. It's a healthcare issue. That's right. And That's it's right. a financial issue. It's it's a big it's, fun, it, yeah. It's yeah. a whole circle. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh so the most recent budget passed and and in, in Raleigh or adopted uh it's about 920 million dollars. Right, almost a billion dollars. Almost a billion dollars. The operating budget. The That's operating right. budget is almost a billion dollars. Right. We are not a small city. This is this is from uh, the official city of Raleigh report. Got it. Uh, so you see you see transportation uh, investment in transportation as another critical uh component of of social mobility absolutely i mean the the, the sorry bus system that we have uh, here has not gotten appreciably better since i moved back to raleigh in 1991 it takes too long to go from point a to point b with the system we have that takes everybody back downtown and then goes out to a location we need a much more nimble system that can get people where they want to go quicker so that even if you have a car you might choose to take the bus sometime and and you would you would help allocate funds and investment and consider uh, and and sell an idea of of improving the public transportation um, over and above what has been currently in the works the the bond referendum that's on there for widening the roads and 
you know, whatever Wake County is doing. I mean, you, you believe you believe in public transportation. That's yeah. absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think um, if we don't improve our public transportation, our roads are going to become more like Atlanta, just more and more clogged. Uh, I support the uh, transportation bond, and I support the wi- road widenings that are uh, contemplated in that. Um, but we got to do more than just build and widen roads. We got to improve bus transportation and transit. Aside from what we've spoken about, what issues do the people of Raleigh not know of that you know of that represent a challenge and you possibly have a solution for? Well, as I, as I mentioned just briefly before, and as you alluded to, I mean, we have a crisis in mental health care uh, in, in Raleigh. Our emergency rooms have people waiting four, five, six days for a bed, people having to sit with them, police sometime, you know, being called to have to deal with that situation. And so the city has a role to play in addressing that situation. I think that's a very important issue. Um, I'm going to spend a lot of my time also on business recruitment and job development because up under the affordable housing crisis is a uh, problem with the stagnation in people's incomes, except maybe for seniors. You know, usually if you make enough money, you you can afford uh, adequate housing. The problem is the cost of housing in Raleigh has risen more quickly than people's incomes. So I'm going to spend time recruiting businesses, but I'm also going to spend time uh, helping homegrown businesses at all different, uh, in all different sectors and all different levels to develop. For example, in Raleigh, we are very, 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 uh, the economy is very construction driven. And so I want to work with, uh, people from Wake Tech and otherwise to start more masonry businesses and, and painting businesses and floor refinishers and plumbers and other that, uh, others that will, uh, be able to make money in this construction industry, jobs that can't be sent offshore. But I, w- I want to go back to your uh, to your your college days and your early professional experience. So you you went to to Princeton. Yeah, that's and right. Then you got a law degree from from uh, from Duke. From Duke, that's right. And currently, you're a practicing attorney for. Yeah, yeah. I'm the I'm the managing member and the owner of the Francis Law Firm. Okay. So, how are you going to balance your life? Uh, would you would you step down as would there be conflicts of interest between your law firm and 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 being the mayor of the city because the mayor is technically a part time job even though you're significantly intertwined with the city so how would you balance your life um, like that well I uh, I don't like doing things that are easy I like doing things that are hard man <laughs> awesome. so I um, you know the the way that our city government is structured, the mayor is not a full time job; it's a part time job. And I was I was on the city council before when I was twenty nine. Oh, okay. So I, I have some sense of how long you know it's going to take and what'll be involved to do it. So no, I plan to continue practicing law as well. I, I'm not the only attorney in my firm. Uh, the Francis Law Firm has three other attorneys, and um, you know we plan to continue to represent the people and companies and agencies that we've represented over the years. We, um, there's, you know, there's a process for any conflicts of interest that come up and we'll deal with those, you know, through the, through the process. What types of cases does your firm handle? Right. So, so, um, I came back to Raleigh, uh, because I wanted to represent, uh, the people I grew up with and the people that raised me. Uh, so I represent a lot of small businesses. I represent churches. Uh, I represent, I'm the lawyer for St. Augustine's University. Okay. I'm their, their general counsel. So I spend a lot of time on the university campus on the other side of town. 
Uh, I've done a lot of work for North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance Company. I'm a general counsel at the Raleigh Housing Authority, and we have represented thousands of people over the years in personal injury and medical malpractice cases, uh, and also in land condemnation cases where the government was taking their property but not paying them enough money. We'd get them a lot more money. So I'm very proud of the work that we've done in getting justice for everyday people and compensation in those cases, and have gotten people hundreds of millions of dollars in compensation over 23 years. Okay. All right, uh, Charles Francis, we've had a, a really wonderful talk. I've learned a lot. Our audience has learned a lot. I want to go ahead and give you the floor to make your final argument for, um, for the election tomorrow. Well, as I said earlier, I mean, I, I, I think that Raleigh is a good city, but it's not a great city. And we can do better in so many ways that we've been talking about here today. You know, one way that I haven't emphasized so far in this conversation, Matt, is that we need to include all people. And in particular, I want to include young people and millennial people in the way that uh, the city is run. Uh, we've gotten incredible energy from young people in this, in this campaign. My daughter, Logan, who is a sophomore at Carolina, uh, helped put the campaign together this summer. Um, she uh, put together a campaign soundtrack that's got some really cool tunes on it. Uh, Chance the Rapper, uh, John Meyer, uh, uh, the Jackson 5, Stevie Wonder, uh, a lot of really inspirational music. And and actually, Dakari Wilder, uh, who was part of uh, Troop 41, uh, which was uh, uh, Troop 41 of uh, do, the, do the John Wall fame, has done an original song for uh, uh, the campaign, which you know maybe your listeners will get a chance to hear. So it's been wonderful, the, the energy we've gotten from young people here at NC State, uh, over at Enloe, and, and all around town. So we want to get uh, young people and all people involved in the way that this city is run and, 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 and the full benefits of Raleigh. The election is tomorrow October the 10th. And if we're going to change the city, first we got to change the people who vote. So just like we did in 2008, we've got to increase the turnout. We've got to change the electorate. And that's a first step uh, to Raleigh doing better. Charles Francis, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thank you.